service to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Adam, I am a bit of a Borg right now. <laughs> yeah. He's a Borg. Oh no. Ah! <laughs> Regards a Borg. Yeah. In what in what way? I mean, most episodes you're an emotionless automaton. <laughs> but in, Is in that what my way reputation? You, <laughs> In what way are you not that today? I'm semi-cybernetic right now. I've got I've got diodes attached to my chest. I've got a uh, I've got a device dangling off them. Uh, I, I'm I'm I forget what this thing is called, but I I have it's a, it's like an EKG that I wear 24 hours a day, and I'm supposed to wear it for a week because I recently had like a big health scare. Wow, man. Uh, this uh, this relates to your this relates to your falling down, does it not? <laughs> oh yeah, when we were on tour, I think it was in Houston. I passed out in our Airbnb at one point, not from drinking. Yeah, I found you on the floor clutching your pearls. This was yeah. just after I told I, a dirty joke. I was just morally outraged. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I uh, so I was on. Um, I was flying to France to visit my folks for the holidays with my lovely wife, and mm-hmm. I, uh, I was like trying to trying to get myself uh, to sleep, which is not easy for me on a on an airplane. But I was I was getting ready for bed, and I was fumbling around trying to get the the air. You know that little nipple of air that that you get up uh, up on the ceiling of the airplane. Oh uh, yeah, you got to tweak the air nipple. Yeah. To get satisfaction. So I was trying to turn that on and I couldn't figure out how to do it. And I thought, oh, this must be some new kind of plane that has like a different, it's not just a knob that you turn. So I called the, I pressed the button for the flight attendant to come. And by the f- the time the flight attendant came, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm losing consciousness. And I told him I was in like medical distress and I couldn't see. And then apparently about five minutes transpired but i woke up and i had the oxygen mask on and i had the uh the like blood pressure cuff around my arm and i was surrounded by doctors pretty uncomfortable uh situation it sounds like were you uh were you covered in your own piss and shit (laughs) i managed to avoid evacuating everything so that was good god you were so lucky but uh i think maybe more than anything that has ever happened to me, this has been a series of events that expose how addicted I am to doing bits. All I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what, you're always doing bits, bits, bits. No matter what, you're always doing bits, bits, bits. I was doing bits. Bad bit moment. Bad bit moment. <laughs> Are you? So our Marin today, after that kind of run up, is a is a Benjamin R. Harrison bad bit moment. Yeah. Wow. Some of these are good bit <laughs> moments, but like among you know, like I'm I'm coming out of losing consciousness, and it was not 
easy because my wife also had a panic attack in reaction to this because she was woken up and it, you know woken up by a flight attendant and a bunch of doctors who were telling her that her husband was <laughs> you know not well uh but if you tell me she was also doing bits uh in the middle of a panic attack i'm just not going to believe you, you you've met my wife she wasn't doing bits no uh, but no. but one bit i did in this moment was uh hey the bag inflates because they put one of those airplane oxygen masks on me, you know, the yellow cup with the elastic band and the bag. The one they tell you specifically not to worry about not inflating. The bag inflates, Adam. All I do is fits, fits, fits. No matter what. Wow. <laughs> Nobody thought that was funny or amusing. <laughs> you know, uh, ask any medical professional and they'll tell you the uh, the bit portion of the brain is the last to die from oxygen deprivation yeah yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's sub reptile brain yeah that's yeah. what the, the bit brain is so you know how like we always complain about people that put their feet up on airplanes oh yeah and like you'll see uh, you'll see videos of people who who use the the ife with their toes like hitting buttons and stuff yeah uh they uh because they wanted more oxygen to get to my brain they i was i was in a bulkhead seat and they actually had me put my feet up on the bulkhead hey uh what airline was this uh this was a delta flight hey hey delta big fan medallion guy over here <laughs> uh you know what a great way is to get a person's feet up uh to get more oxygen to their head Move them up to first. <laughs> you think that isn't worth an upgrade? Well, first class was fully booked, but actually somebody that had a row of three seats uh, was very kind and, and offered me their, their row of three, and, uh, and I laid down for the rest of the flight, um, and I was fine. <laughs> you know what would have been great is if, a per if there was a seat open in first... What your wife would have done had you been moved up to first for a medical reason and how you and I both know that both of our wives would not have been okay with that. Yeah, that would have been, there would have been a, like, a silent they grudge have, issue. Yeah, they would have, they would have, they would have expected a chivalrous gift of first. Yeah. Well, why don't you take it? <laughs> So I, all these doctors told me I need to get get to a cardiologist when I get back to the states, and uh, because I, because there were doctors on board that tended to you, yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know like there were some concerning signs, like I had an undetectable pulse, uh, you know, I I was not well on this flight. I think the and, question on everyone's mind is, uh, did you have the fish as the in-flight meal bin? Uh, I had the chicken, and mm. when. When my wife started to like show signs of her panic attack, I was like, "Oh man, like there might be something in the food." And yeah. this is like and then like the people in the row behind us in like, you know, 45 seconds are going to start to experience their symptoms and then it'll just be like a cascade back to the back of the plane. <laughs> oh <laughs> you know? no. It's ju it just turns into barf plane yeah. on emergency approach. Yeah, I could I could uh, I could see the the flight attendant contemplating the ramifications of that possibility. Oh um, god. And there's and there's just not enough barf bags. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, we landed and I was fine and uh we got back to the states 
and I had an EKG at my general practitioner, which was abnormal. And they said, like, you need to get to the cardiologist as soon as you can. And so we go to the cardiologist and it, like, this was a new GP. So I had to fill out like a whole medical history uh, with the GP and then do it again the next day at the cardiologist's office. So it was just like, it was a lot of jumping through medical bureaucracy hoops. And, and take takes time. Yeah. And the cardiologist is asking me about my drinking habits uh, when <laughs> when uh, she is like taking my medical history. And I don't see what that has to do with this. <laughs> well, I told her. Did, did my wife put you up to this? Well, so your wife actually put me on to something that I have adopted in my life, which is don't drink on weekdays. Like just just save it for the weekend. Like have have your fun on the weekend, but on weekdays, like knock it off with the drinking. And that's actually yeah, been... I, I believe that's called binge drinking. <laughs> that's what I that's what I uh, that's what I told her I do. I said I I don't uh, I try not to drink on on weeknights, uh, uh-huh. but I will have you know five or six drinks you know over the course of a weekend. And the mm-hmm. cardiologist said, well that uh, that is actually not advisable. You should try and spread it out you know, over the course of a week. And I said, well, but then I can't get totally obliterated. All I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what. <laughs> Big laugh from the cardiologist when I said that. <laughs> it was pregnant, by the way. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so you know she was missing it. Yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> she liked the bit. And then... Just a couple days ago, I went in to get this this thing attached to my chest, but I also had an echocardiogram, mm. which I didn't know that this was different from an EKG because I just assumed that EKG was a bad abbreviation for echocardiogram. But mm-hmm. echocardiogram is like is like a sonogram. It's it it's got the same inverted wedge thing that you see when when a pregnant lady has. Has yeah. the sonogram on her belly? Did they lube up that chest? They lubed up my chest, and and oh, the, hell yeah. the med tech was putting the little wand on onto my chest, and I said, and I put my hand on his wrist, and I said, before you do, please don't tell me the sex. I want it to be a surprise. All I do is fits, fits, fits. No matter what. <laughs> Huge pop from the med tech, which I could not believe. I was like, I like as I was saying it, I was like, God, this is so fucking hack. This guy hears yeah. this every single time he does this. <laughs> To his credit, gave me a big, big pop. <laughs> wow. Wow. You're the medical community's best friend. They, they love this kind of patient, I bet. You know what I realized in retrospect? The cardiologist is dealing with patients who are nervous, so their heart is beating faster. So they're probably always getting slightly skewed data, right? Mm-hmm. They probably have training to just put people at ease, laugh at their idiot jokes. You think that's what it is? Yeah. Well, I mean, by saying that, you're saying that there's a chance you might have not been legitimately funny. Y- oh. <laughs> oh, Adam, I assure you, I am not legitimately funny. <laughs> wow. And that brings us to our show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our, our hit comedy show. I'll tell people before we go. That uh, as uh, I've I've received the results of all but one of these tests, and the results have been uh, very good. I've like all my blood work came back good, my echocardiogram, the results were within normal parameters, 
and it does not look like I have a heart condition. So far, the best guess on the part of my doctors is that I had something called a vasovagal syncope, which is just, I got too hot on the plane and I passed out. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I feel very lucky to be to be saying that right now. I, I was genuinely really terrified for a couple of weeks and like contemplating what life was going to be like if I had discovered that I had like a really bad heart condition or something like that. If I was yeah. like forbidden from traveling in the future or, you know, given some kind of amount of time to, you know, get my affairs in order or whatever. And, and I was like genuinely really terrified and, and, and feeling all of the, all of the feelings about that. And so I, you know, I don't want to make light of, of like the real shit people go through. And I feel very lucky to have uh, so far been given very good news by the doctors, but, uh, but yeah. I'm I'm really glad to hear that. I'm glad you ended your story with that. I was going to say, man, tell the people <laughs> what yeah. the prognosis is. Don't just leave them hanging. I make jokes as a defense mechanism, Adam. <laughs> I I definitely get that. Uh yeah, I mean, a little behind the pod is a lot of people were were very worried for you for a long time and were relieved that at this point your prognosis is good. Though I I must admit I did contemplate a show life without you and uh look pretty good all i do is bits 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 no matter what finally this, I, this thing gives up the lead weight that's been holding it back <laughs> i i considered uh who would be a worthy replacement for you a oh. medical replacement for you, you on have, the show did you have i i would love to because i thought about this too like who would replace me on friendly fire and God. who would replace me on greatest gen and i thought maybe maybe that's different people I yeah I I thought a ton about this and here's what I came up with. Hmm. I would solo host Greatest Gen, <laughs> and I would talk twice as much on Friendly Fire. Wow! So so irreplaceable is what I would consider you, Ben. If you talked twice as much on Friendly Fire, you'd be almost a third of that show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's not even a joke. That's just uh, that's <laughs> that's just, just the math. cold truth. That's just yeah. math, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad to be stuck with you for a long, long time, Ben. Uh, in all sincerity, I'm glad things are going fine. Oh, are we going to hear any beeps from your end uh, with this heart Walkman you're wearing, or is that going to leave us alone for the duration so of the show? It beeps if I push the button, and I, and there's a the button is I. I if I push the button, I'm supposed to write down in a diary like what what symptoms I was experiencing, yeah. and I have been I have been trying to keep keep that. Like I, if I get up and I feel lightheaded, uh, uh -huh. I, I I have pushed the button and and written that down a couple of times. How uh, many moleskinas have you filled with your diary entries? This thing. <laughs> I mean, a few, but a lot of it is that when I. You know, go to give my dog a hug. He'll often put his paws on my chest and accidentally push it. So mm. there you go. Yeah, dog-induced beeping. Yeah, he makes my heart skip a beat. I love that guy. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, well, he knows as well as I do. There's no replacing you. Let's see if the episode we're going to talk about today is replaceable. We'll save that part for the end as we begin discussing Deep Space Nine Season 5, Episode 25, In the Cards. Oh! Do you 
realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. You know that feeling when you're at at dinner with a bunch of boomers and they want to talk about the news of the day and <laughs> you're just thinking about the future that they have foreclosed on and what a nightmare it is and how little you want to talk about it with them. You know that feeling, Adam? That's sort of the feeling at the beginning of this episode. What do you want, Julian? A war? What I want is to talk about something else. It might as well be today. Yeah. No one's having fun at the captain's dinner party. No. But maybe that's because he's serving slug guts again. Maybe. Do you think he's uh, he's still on that Ferengi recipe kick? It's another very indistinct plate of food. It's it. Yeah. It could just be like that snack mix that you get in an Asian grocery store. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what it looked to me like on the plates. Yeah. Just kind of miscellaneous small objects. There's also a bottle of like Calvados or something going around, but it does not seem to be putting people in nicer spirits. Yeah, it looks like there's real booze flowing and and you'd think it would be a little more i don't know festive or or jovial but it just can't feel that way because they've lost another ship this rate we're gonna run out of ships well that's not funny it wasn't meant to be and this is the first i mean this isn't the first of many like this is happening all the time yeah and furthermore there's like hoarding and looting of supplies on the station like they they sort of go around the table sharing their awful news. The news is not good. I've just learned that my final words were, back to you, Linda. Politics sucks to talk about. And this is the eve of war. You know, they can all tell that the trends are not looking good. Odo had a vacation planned and he's canceled it. You know, every, everything, everything's a nightmare. Have you ever had a dinner party go bad? And, like, what did you do to save it? Like, do you have any secret weapons socially for for redeeming a vibe like this? I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to oh, you. Oh, but I'm talking to I'm you. This seems pretty tough to save. Even Captain Sisko doesn't even try. He's, like, the best he can think of is just uh, letting the crew go, thinking that, that, they're, that they're staying out of some sort of obligation. You know, the, the admonitions we've made to leave without saying goodbye at <laughs> yeah. parties? I've yeah. done that at my own parties before. Sometimes yeah. that's the solution. It's just, uh, yeah, like lock up on your way out. <laughs> I'm done. That's stone cold, but I respect it. Yeah, I mean, this is a fucking bummer. Jake and Nog were uh, trying to work as like waiters, I guess. Cisco asks them to leave on the same, you know, like I'm, I'm not feeling this. You guys got to go. And uh, and then as they leave, Cisco gets a radio from Ops that Kai Wynn is going to be visiting the station. News of Kai Wynn's impending arrival is apparently not the antidote for depression. <laughs> Indeed it isn't. This is shitty hat on top of shitty hat. <laughs> How can it get any worse? The big fecal enchilada. Anyone else hungry? What I like about Nog and Jake here is that they're sort of dismissed from the dinner party and they go straight to the bar. And I love a kind of secret second location that they've hatched here. Like, dinner party sucked, but it doesn't have to be the end of the night. Let's go to Quark's. Did you think that they were drinking a root beer in this scene or are they drinking something stronger? 
I mean, the assumption is root beer with them, but uh, yeah, that that's what my guess was. Because this is the first time we've heard them talk about being drunk in an episode, so I wondered if they're old enough now or whatever. What do you think the drinking age is? I don't know. Like, is it one thing for synthahol and another thing for real alcohol? How could you prescribe to any kind of drinking age when you have a bar full of aliens for whom, like, maturity is a totally different amount of time, right? That's true. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's a little more but, continental in that way. It's just like, you know, like, whatever, whatever, man, it doesn't matter. It's like Germany. Yeah. You can drink at any age. It's the continental way. And it's way. encouraged. The deal at Quarks is that there's going to be an event the next day. It's going to be an auction, and this auction is going to be of items found from an old Bajoran derelict freighter, but not the freighter itself. I was waiting for them to drive up that freighter at the auction. Oh, that would have been cool. Like like a classic car auction you see on TV sometimes. Yeah, so if Kai Wynn is not the antidote for depression, maybe a Mickey Mantle baseball card is. Right, because Quark has a pad with all the items that they've recovered from this thing, and Jake locks onto this right away. I feel like Quark should just be using eBay. Like, how is gathering a few people in the bar at Deep Space Nine a better way to generate revenue from this shit than putting it out on the World Wide Web for everyone to bid on? I don't know. It seems like it's a pretty limiting move. I don't actually sell anything here. I just sell them on eBay. Yeah. Quark is not the greatest businessman of all time. Uh, We get a pretty funny conversation. Hold up a second. We need to say this. The reason Jake wants to get himself this 51 Willie Mays is he wants to give it to his dad. He wants to to make him feel better. He thinks it's going to be the only way to lift his spirits. I'm pretty sure I made that point with my whole antidote for depression construction. Yeah, that seems overly complicated. <laughs> Are you insulting the intelligence of our listeners? Depression isn't cured with uh, with physical possessions, man. I, I don't disagree. What does Jake think I'm, he's doing? I'm talking about the premise of the episode, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Here's the thing about this episode. You may believe <laughs> that this storyline is the B, but let me disabuse you of that right now. This is the A fucking story, and yeah. we are we are strapped into it until the bitter end. It's yeah. baseball card time. It's baseball card time, and we get a big conversation between Jake and Nog about how they're going to get this card, and Jake is trying to convince Nog to give him all the money Nog has to bid on this card because humans don't have money, Adam. They have no need for it. They've moved to a non-monetary economic system. We work to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. I love that Jake quotes chapter and verse what Picard says in First Contact to Lily. We work to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. It's like the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, everyone knows it. Everyone knows how to say it. Everyone has this answer for when a Ferengi asks you about your weird culture. Like, it's great. And even Jake, like, even Sirach Lofton, like, the spin he puts on his line reading, it feels it feels practiced and tiring for him in a fun way. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, and I also really liked how he started to, like, you know, money may not be a thing, but value is. And hmm. he starts to manipulate Nog's allegiance to Cisco as a, 
you know, as, as a locus of value until Nog admits that doing a magnanimous thing for the guy that got him into Starfleet Academy is a valuable act. Yeah, guess what always has power, no matter what century you're in? A guilt trip. <laughs> so much of this story is crazy, but Nog's five bars of latinum represents his entire life savings, which is an interesting bit of calculus here. Like, I think up until now, it's been hard to gauge the relative worth of what a bar is. Like, we know what a bar is compared to a strip, for example, but... A life savings adding up to five bars, I think, is relatively new information. I mean, how how old is Nog? You think Nog is getting like strips in every birthday card from Moogie, <laughs> and he saves up those how checks. Much postage do you need to put on an, an envelope if you're including strips of latinum? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like at a certain point, it it cuts into the overall value of the latinum, right? Yeah. <laughs> you never see those bars in this episode, by no. the by. Yeah. That's true. Are they even real? Who knows, man. They're just paid lip service. Those bars of latinum are like the the, the Canadian girlfriend that Nog's always talking about <laughs> that goes to a different school. Yeah. You wouldn't know her. They're going to prom together. You'll meet her then. Uh, too bad they broke up right before prom. Mm. Golden Cotton. The So Cisco gets a visit from Kai Wynn. She is there to tell him that she's going to be meeting with the Dominion tomorrow at the invitation of the Dominion. Kind of surprising that the Dominion can just reserve a meeting room on Deep Space Nine. (laughs) Yeah, they they reserve the Canar 3 meeting room. (laughs) You know, it's not as big as Canar 1, but what you do is you take Canar 1 and and you roll the partition through it. Right. Uh, this, you store that partition in the wall. Yeah. It's a nice deal because, like, you just pay one flat fee and they, like, provide coffee and water and you get, you know, you get access to the business Wi-Fi. It's not like the- It comes as a, at a reduced rate, too, when you uh, when you book a room at Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Uh, it's not as expensive as if you aren't. Right. You throw in the catering and it's, like, it's it's very synergistic, you know? Right. You get those, like, little sandwiches brought out during lunchtime. Yeah, the Federation might not have monetary units, but they do have points. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get for staying at their stations. Yeah, you're learning, earning a lot of IHG rewards points for, uh-huh. for this. Yeah, she's not totally sure what the what the meeting's about, and Cisco wants to warn her. Making an, an alliance with these guys right before this war breaks out is not necessarily the greatest idea. What with all the political intrigue they're known for. And Kai Wynn pulls out her driver's license and shows him that it's uh, it's literally Kai Political Intrigue Wynn is her <laughs> official government name. <laughs> she's so mean to him. She's like, she's like uh, apropos of nothing, she's like, yeah, it, all my favorite shops have moved out. Something wrong, Eminence. The hat shop I used to shop at on the promenade, where'd that... Where'd that place go? Yeah, I'm stuck with this hat. Most people think this hat is dumb. Cisco's like, yeah, all the good hat shops moved out once uh, once this unstable element moved into town. Yeah. Um, you know, Cisco is saying he and the Federation take Bajor's safety really seriously, but she is in a position where she's not so sure. And so she's gonna she's gonna hear these guys out. 
we very quickly cut to this auction that we were promised. Uh, We've got no time for this political intrigue storyline. Got to get back to this baseball card story. (laughs) And uh, Quark as auctioneer, I think serves that position pretty well. He's trying to goose the action, but I think the problem is uh, you can only fit like 20 people inside Quark's. So there's not a lot of action, and the energy is really low, too. The stuff he is auctioning off just doesn't seem that great, as was already observed by Jake and Nog. Like, this is, this is mostly kind of junky stuff, but the baseball card is actually not being auctioned off by itself. It's being auctioned off as part of a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a, a chest with a bunch of items inside of it. And Jake and I are pretty confident that they're going to get get out of here for about two bars of latinum. However, they did not count on one person starting to bid up the value of this chest pretty aggressively. 6500 to the dark-haired person on the right. It's a real JFK's golf club situation, isn't it? <laughs> I suppose it is. The bid is 10 bars of gold-pressed latinum. Is there another bid? The bid gets to 10 before they know it, and that is twice as many bars as Nog has access to. So so they're out. This was and- kind of a head fake for me. I thought for sure what would happen is is Nog would overbid with money he didn't have, and that would be the story. Like, right. he's in debt and he's shit in the is bad. for money he doesn't have. Yeah, I was, I was actually very surprised that the scene ended the way it did. They're outbid by a real Star Trek that guy. This guy was Vorin in that episode of TNG where Worf's brother Nikolai Rajenko was relocating a colony in the holodeck. Oh. Remember him? He was like the historian of the primitive people that Nikolai Rozhenko had, had taken up with. How about that? And yeah, he gets he gets the, the crate and uh, Jake and Nog do not. And that oh, is- Oh, he's in a couple of Voyager episodes. That he's, a, he's definitely alumni. He's that guy alumni. Yeah. I read that he and Jeffrey Combs are the only two actors in Star Trek history to ta- to play two different characters in the same episode. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So uh so we'll we will have more encounters with this character actor. I'm sure Jeffrey Combs is pissed at this guy. You you don't want to come for that throne. Yeah. Jeffrey Combs is the king. You and I were recently in a bar that Jeffrey Combs was also in. Yeah, it's true. I I ordered a drink right next to him and I and I pulled a Benjamin R Harrison. I didn't he, talk to him. You didn't say anything. He was at the bar itself. Yeah. Because when I, when I was ordering my drink, he was at a table with some people, so I didn't want to go be table inter- interruption guy. I mean, I wasn't sure because, let's be honest, how do you know it's Jeffrey Combs when you're talking <laughs> to him? You he's look a man of a thousand if, faces. You see if he's got a little like latex makeup still stuck to his forehead. Yeah, it's impossible. I wouldn't want to, I would have been very embarrassed to have introduced myself to someone who is not Jeffrey Combs. Hey, are you Jeffrey Combs by any chance? <laughs> there was a, I was in a coffee shop recently and I saw a lady that I thought might have been a girl I went to kindergarten with and I didn't I didn't ask just for the same reason like like chances are it's not God what you know I, I don't think I remember anyone from before middle school. 
<laughs> like anyone. Well, I went to the same school from kindergarten through eighth grade. So everyone I went to kindergarten with, I went to middle school with. God, I feel like, uh, I feel like my brain is filled with Langoliers, like just <laughs> chewing up time, <laughs> writing over it. Wow. Where is everybody? They've gone. They've all gone. So they follow this guy down the hallway, and he is not interested in talking to them about parting with this baseball card. He is very angry, I would say. Like he, he seems to be like hate walking his newly bought <laughs> uh, auction prize back to his apartment. He accuses them of being. Uh, soulless minions of orthodoxy and then gets on the elevator and uh, tells him to fuck right off. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're called a soulless minion of anything, I don't think it's a good sign uh, if you're looking to negotiate. Yeah. I mean, it's one step up from being called a nattering nabob of negativism. <laughs> Tell you what, uh, when he he dismisses them saying something like uh, the only laws I've broken are the laws of nature. <laughs> that, uh, that sounds pretty pervy to me, TBH. <laughs> like I'd, I'd probably give this guy a wide berth if I were Jake and Nog. Why didn't you sit over there? <laughs> <laughs> like there's clinking from inside his little trunk. It's just full of Mike's hard lemonade. <laughs> and what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it? That's why it looks so heavy. Yeah. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. I'm fucking pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. Oh, I don't use the bucket anymore. Back to the B storyline, a jumbo tick shows up, and uh, Wei Yoon and a couple of Jem'Hadars walk through the airlock, uh, greeted by Cisco. I was kind of surprised that the Jem'Hadars weren't asked to give up their guns in this scene. <laughs> Right? I guess, honestly, I think the headcanon here is like, it doesn't matter. Like, they know they're overmatched. Like, they, the tick could destroy the station at any any moment, and it just chooses not to, right? Well, that's the thing about, like, the Dominion. Like, if the tick, if the tick wanted to just set self-destruct while it was docked at the pylon, it could and would. Like, nobody on right. board is going to be sad to die for the Dominion. Right. Right. So there's an interaction here between Cisco and Wayun that I wanted to interrogate with you a little bit. And I think it represents a lot about the relationship between anyone that Jeffrey Combs plays and any of our main characters. Because Cisco in this scene is a hard ass with him. He doesn't want to be friends, even though Wayun is super psyched to be on the station, to have more interactions with Ben Cisco. He's being nice. And I wonder, and in this scene, I was anti-Ben Sisko. I was like, Ben Sisko, why are you being such a jerk to Wayun? He's being nice to you. And I think that comes from a quality of acting here. Like, I, I almost think that if you cast Wayun with a different actor... You may uh -huh. feel the way that you're supposed to feel about this, but instead, I am manipulated because of Jeffrey Combs into being on his side when I shouldn't be. It's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool me three times, like you're f***ing dead to me. Is that how you feel when you see this interaction? Or are you pro-Ben Sisko? I think that the charisma that Jeffrey Combs brings to the character makes this tension fun. And if it was a 
less charismatic performer, you would be a thousand percent Cisco, you know? It's weird, like, all the different ways that threat can be embodied, because, like, a Gold Ducat is uh, charismatic, but but he appears more threatening than Wei Yun ever does, because Wei Yun is just, like, gleeful. Right. But no less threatening. I mean, Ducat has won Kira over for brief moments over the course of the series, so. Yeah. You know. I think it is a really interesting quality that Wayun slash Jeffrey Combs has. And I think it is challenging in scenes like this. And I think that's a good thing. But enough about this boring, boring B story, Adam. Let's talk about the <laughs> A story. <laughs> let's, let's talk about a story without any subtext at all. The baseball card story. Still want this card. It was not the card that uh, Dr. Geiger our friend was bidding on the case for. There was something else in the case that he wanted. A 23rd century ion translator. So Nog and Jake go pitch him on, what if we just buy this card from you? And, you know, this guy This guy knows leverage when he sees it. We would like to open the negotiations with a bid. The card is not for sale. He says, I don't want your money. What I do want is this list of things. If you can go get this list of things for me, I will give you the card. And they're like, great, great, great. Okay, we'll just go get that list of things. And they're like turning to go out the door when they're like, but wait, what are you going to use these things for? Because you have a lot of weird beepy boopy equipment in here. This guy was suspicious right away to me. I, you should never trust a man with a tanning bed. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows that like, that's going to give you uh, skin cancer, you know? He's like 50. What are you doing with a tanning bed? Yeah. Come on, man. Got to take better care of your skin. Yeah. But he goes off on this rant. He is a a bit of a mad scientist type. He has set his sights on cheating death. And uh, the way he would like to do that is by perfecting his cellular regeneration and entertainment chamber. Because he has determined that it is the drudgery of mitosis that causes cells to eventually give up and die. Why should any of us end up as putrefying corpses in wooden boxes stuck in the ground or vaporized into subatomic particles and vented into the cosmos like a bad case of gas? It's an amazing theory. I'm ready to believe it. He makes a very persuasive argument that it is cellular boredom that causes death. I'm pretty sure that that's definitive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's kind of a crackpot. Yeah. And uh, even to the extent that, that Jake and Nog do that thing where they're like, hey, we're going to go talk over here for a second. Yeah. And they're like, they're in hushed tones talking about uh, <laughs> what a whack job he is. <laughs> this guy's pretty crazy, right? <laughs> this is a moment consistent with, uh, with an earlier scene between Jake and Nog where they're talking about uh, Jake not having any money. What Dr. Geiger wants to do is horse trade. Horse, earth horse. He doesn't want money for the card. He wants stuff for the card. Yeah. And uh, this sets in motion a sort of a vintage No J series of hijinks. It's a, uh, you know, they're pitching Chief O'Brien. I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. I'm getting them one of these objects and they wind up promising to do some calibrations that he has to do. 
uh, on his behalf and to free him up to get them whatever the thing is. I owe you one. They promised to get Dr. Bashir's teddy bear back from Lita in order to get something from him. A, a cook of what? Kukulaka. Which gives us probably the creepiest scene in Ugh. the history of the show, which is Nog, like, Smeagol fingering over Lita to try and snatch this teddy bear from her sleeping arms. I I mean, I envied how deeply Lita sleeps, but good Lord, if you know you're a deep sleeper like that, I think you got to uh, put a chain over the ventilation shaft. <laughs> Yeah, when uh, when she goes to bed, she put she she does the the chain lock on the door, and then she goes down to the the ventilation shaft and does the chain lock on that also. <laughs> it's interesting. The thing that we know from this series of vignettes is that labor always has value because what Jake and Nag are trading in exchange for these things are like doing favors that other people are unwilling or unable to do for a variety of reasons. Can't automate that. Wake up, yeah. sheeple. <laughs> yeah. Try taking those jobs. We get a brief scene between Cisco and Kai Wen. And Kai Wen tells Cisco that uh, the what Wayun has proposed is a non-aggression pact between Bajor and the Dominion, and this is tough news for Cisco because there's not really like he can't offer her a better deal because if a war breaks out, he can't really promise her that Bajor will be a thousand percent safe. Only the Dominion can promise that. I was. Waiting and waiting for Kaiwen to drop the bomb that she ev- that she eventually does. She correctly points out that it was Cisco himself that prevented the first time uh, Bejor attempted to join the Federation. Right. And she's like, "What the fuck are you talking about, man? Like this is this is basically your fault anyway." I love that. But even if they had, he wouldn't be able to promise Bejor safety. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like it's. But it is a neat destabilization of that conversation, though. Really, I think it puts Cisco off balance. Yeah, I mean, I think that like it's a really interesting episode about how resources are finite. And even in a post-scarcity utopia, resources are finite. And it puts her character in a really interesting position, too, because she very explicitly got into the business of being Kai for the power, not for the responsibility. And mm-hmm. now the responsibility is on her shoulders and she is bad at it. And right. it's one of the most humble moments we've gotten from her because she just turns to Cisco and says, how can I save Bajor? Like, what do I do? You tell me. Tell me what to do and I will do it. Yeah. And neither avenue seems particularly good. She can either align with the Federation, in which case... Bajor would be the first planet to fall, or if you take the Dom- Dominion route, they'd survive, but they'd be under Dominion rule, which would feel, I think, a lot like Cardassian rule. And it's already Team Cardassia. Yeah. So, yeah. so Cisco's advice is to stall for time. It's the third, the third leg of this decision. 
yeah. which I think is pretty great. He's like, war hasn't happened yet, and we don't know when it will. There's no downside to stalling here. Why don't you just wait it out for a little bit longer and see if, if there's another path that reveals itself? This ain't a space race, so why are you rushing? I like this advice. I do too. It's a strategy I like to employ in my own life. Like, <laughs> why make a decision now when you can make one much, much later? I'm all for it. Yeah. So at this point, Dr. Geiger has gotten a lot of the crap that he wants, but not all of it. He starts to install stuff that Jake is delivering to him into his into all his machinery and uh and the and the machinery, you know, powering up starts to really make a hell of a racket. And we get a pretty fun, like, pan up through the ceiling. And the upstairs neighbors that Dr. Geiger has been unfortunate enough to get is Wayoon and the Jem'Hadar. Who booked these rooms? Like, when they checked in... You got to know what you're doing, right? When you when you put Wayun and Co. above the weird doctor. When you're the doctor and, and you're checking in with Ensign Hospitality, you put, you know, your twenty dollar bill down on the, on the desk at the at the check in and say, "Hey, I'd love to be as far away on the station from any Jem Hadar uh, as possible. I'd love to take care of you." And you just inch inch that twenty dollar bill toward them, and then. Ensign Hospitality says, sir, I can't accept any uh, any money for that kind of thing. You know Wayoon is an IHG Latinum member. Like, <laughs> like how is it that how is it that he doesn't have his choice of rooms? Who says he doesn't? It might you know, that upper floor might be all the good rooms. Is he bunking with the Gem Hadar? Like like is he is he two queen beds guy? I think that he summoned the Gem Hadar to scan. All right, that makes sense. Do, do Jem'Hadar sleep, or does he just have him go invisible do. and stand in the corner when he's sleeping? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. If even if they're invisible, I think I'd have a hard time sleeping. Yeah, because you're like there. you're trying to you're trying to ejaculate on the TV remote, and you're just like conscious of the fact that they're invisible but in the room watching you. Remotes are for butts, Ben. They're not oh, for yeah, they're not me. for shooting ropes onto. <laughs> That's just gross. Pardon me. I guess I've said too much. <laughs> God, the last couple of times I've been in a hotel, my remote just flat doesn't work. It never works. Yeah, because people like sucks. ejaculating on it, Adam. God. It, the uh, You're suggesting that the hotel remotes are too full of cum to operate yeah. properly? Yeah. See, I just thought- They're a little heavier than they look? Yeah. Yeah, they, they feel like- uh, Snow globes, they, they feel they feel weighty, yeah. full of liquid. So Jake and Nog arrive with a second batch of crap for the doctor, and uh, like kind of for the second time in the episode, they walk into this room with their jaws dropped. But this time, the camera pans around, and the room is empty. It's not the mad scientist laboratory that they walked into the first time and it's a there was never a dr geiger even registered here that means the large marge i was riding with was right yeah that's creepy knowledge when they tell the story to odo the mr bucket it almost seems like the crime is they're reporting a fake crime because when Jake and Nog leave Odo's, they're like, wow, we got threatened with uh, false reporting. 
and uh, obstruction of justice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good moment. They think they're doing a good thing, but they did a bad thing. Odo is uh, is really quick to, to hand out these accusations. It's because when Jake explains the story of Dr. Geiger, he sounds as insane as, as Geiger did initially. That's true. So they realize that the person that they're going to have to talk to is the Kai because the other person that was bidding for that baseball card was a Vedic. And they've seen the Kai talking to that Vedic. So the Kai bids farewell to Wei and She's like heading back to Bajor. She, uh, she sort of, in her classic way, doesn't commit to a final answer with Weiyun on the whole non-aggression pact idea. Because I guess she's going to go give advice to the first minister about about what to do, uh, but declines to tell him what what her advice will be. And she comes around right. the corner, and there's Jake and Nog kind of like, uh, hey, nice Kai robe there. Be a shame if anything happened to it. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> this is a really fun sequence. You see this uh, fairly often, though. We get uh, a surprise establishment uh, opposing a couple of characters, and then we cut to the consequence without seeing the argument right. that precipitated the consequence because we smash cut to Cisco's office, and he is howling mad. You accuse the Kai of burglary and kidnapping? The captain explodes at the insult that they have leveled against the religious leader of the planet Bajor. Are you trying to be funny, cadet? Because I'm not laughing. And uh, this is a bad luck for Jake and Nog. I feel like you can make the case for what Jake is doing up until this point at which, and at this moment, it all flies apart because Jake is committed Fly to the idea. Fly apart then, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got to get that baseball card to make his dad happier. He's so committed to the idea that he maintains the cover-up because he wants to surprise his dad with it. And and by telling him the truth in this moment, he would be ruining the surprise. Nog is like, they when they leave this meeting, they're walking out into ops to the lift and Nog is like, you need to get some perspective, man. Like uh, losing the trust of your father over this and ruining the diplomacy between Bajor and the Federation maybe isn't worth your gift idea. <laughs> And he's right. Yeah. He's never been more right than this moment. No, yeah. And also, like, telling your dad that you and I got drunk, and that's part of why this is all happening. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that answers your root beer question earlier. Like, that was a lie, so they didn't get drunk. Right. It was root beer. But a pretty intense thing to to tell your dad is is why you're acting like an idiot. Is root beer a suitable mixer for any liquor? I don't remember ever, like... It's not like Jack and Coke. I don't think I've ever had a Jack and root beer. Root beer float spiked with spiced rum is one of the delightful adult beverages, Adam. Oh, I bet that's real good. Yeah. I bet that's real sweet, too. doesn't have to be. You can put a lot of rum in. Hmm. Oh, yeah. That's what you do. It's just more booze. Yeah. Knock that sweetness back with more booze. <laughs> more. 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 Dude. Sweet. More. 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 You need everybody? More. Oh. So they're on this elevator arguing about what an idiotic ploy this was on Jake's part when they get transported over to the super tick. And yeah, they have a, uh, they have kind of like a, like waiting for the principal moment. And then uh -huh. Wayun comes in and sits at the desk. He's got the Aeron chair, Adam. That's the same chair yeah. that you and I use. Love that chair. Did you notice that Wayun is an Aeron user? 
I mean, he's a smart man. Yeah. He's he's lived a thousand lifetimes. Like I think I think you know from experience what a great what a great seat the Aeron is. This tick is is the hottest water that Jake and Nag could find themselves in. And Wei Yun asks them to explain what their relationship is with Geiger because Wei Yun has has taken Geiger and all of his crap aboard the tick. And uh you know, he kind of scoffs at the dumb explanation that is the real explanation at first because uh, he, he he knows a lot about what Jake and Nag have been up to. He knows that they've been meeting with the senior staff. He knows that they met with Kai Wen right after Wayun did. And so Jake uh, pivots to novelist explanation, which is, yeah, we're actually working with Starfleet Security. We're investigating the man whose picture is in your hand right now. Until yesterday, that man, one Willie Mays, did not exist in any historical documents. There is a really neat magic trick that I that I really have haven't considered before, which is a lie in proximity to the truth makes the truth way more believable. Yeah, and that's what happens here in in Wei Yun's experience. He's like, well, that was shit. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm gonna go with column A. I loved it because it's like it's a pretty light and silly episode. But this lie that Jake comes up with is something I could see Star Trek trying to make an episode out of and <laughs> is so much sillier and more laughable that it like it retroactively makes the episode feel good. Yeah. Yeah. So Wayun picks column A, he gives him the baseball card and and lets him go. And then Wei-Yun and Geiger are like hitting it off. I have a background in, shall we say, creative genetics. I'd be most interested in hearing your theories. Well, it may take some time to explain. I don't like Dr. Geiger's chances of living a normal life after this episode. <laughs> I mean, there's no record of him on DS9. So like he, I mean, if he never existed, what happens here doesn't qualify as a disappearance. He's just yeah. gone. He'll never be found. Nobody's going to come looking for him. Yeah. But he gets back to Deep Space Nine because we get like a captain's log as the button of the episode. And Cisco is reminiscing about how a couple of days ago, everybody was really bummed out about the politics. And suddenly morale has improved wildly. And we do a little montage of like going around the station. Chief O'Brien's had some time to do a little bit of kayaking. Bashir's got his bear back. Lita is uh, the one the one bit of salt to bring out the sweet. She's pissed that the bear is missing. Kira has uh, delivered her speech to the Water Conservation Board. It's gone great because Jake wrote some bits for her. Worf is enjoying his... Uh, his Klingon opera because the, uh, you know, Nog has been able to improve the audio. Geiger has even got Wayun enjoying himself, showing him around the cellular regeneration and entertainment chamber. And Cisco's enjoying his baseball card. And yet uh, we are still just as on war's doorstep as ever. But yeah. it's the little things, right? It's the, the little, little comforts. It's the little comforts, you know? Yeah. Did you like this episode, Ben? <laughs> I I spent a lot of this episode thinking I hated it, and by the end, I did like it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was amazing. I mean, clearly, there's a lot to make fun of here. Yeah. But in the end, like, in totality, 
it it, it begs you not to take it seriously. It's, and I think it's effective in that way. It's a it's a self-consciously corny episode, but but to a sweet end, you know. It, I, I yeah. really liked it. This was the first episode directed by Michael Dorn. Whoa. Uh, the first of three that he will direct in DS9. I thought it was ably directed by him. I think it explains why you get very little wharf in the episode. I think yeah. I'm with you as far as uh, whether or not I liked it. It is just a uh, little piece of candy in this DS9 season five storyline that can be pretty serious and bitter tasting, but this was just a little bit of a break here that, that for some reason worked. I kind of like the red paperclip idea to this thing that, you know, you can chain some small favors together and create a, create a solution to a problem in it when you don't have money to solve it, you know? Yeah. thought that was cool. You know what else I think is cool, Adam? Our priority one messages. Do you want to see if we have any? Hey, those those take money to make happen. <laughs> don't don't try to trade us favors or labor for a P1. It doesn't work that way. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our one and only priority one message comes from past Jenna, and it is for present Jenna. (laughs) The message goes like this. Hey, Jenna, it's you from the past. Uh. You're at home, alone, for Christmas. Recovering from double otitis, hopped up on painkillers and spending money you don't really have for a shout-out from your favorite podcast hosts. Wow. Hoping this will put a smile on your face wherever you find yourself. You're a capable badass and you will get your groove back. I believe it. Jenna sounds dope, both past and present. Double otitis, so much worse than single otitis because because of course it is a double ear infection. That sounds painful. I used to get ear infections all the time. I'm going to guess Jenna is an adult because only adults should be listening to this piss and shit show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I know the last ear infection I had was, was in middle school. It was super painful, though. Yeah, that sucks. Get well, Jenna's past and present. Yep, get well, Jenna's. And uh, keep kicking ass and being awesome. Thank you for the P1. If you would like to leave a P1 on The Greatest Generation, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. We really appreciate them because they help us cover the cost of making this program. Gotta get that, get that, go press that. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. 
And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What is that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! When Wayun is in an episode, it's going to be hard to choose against him. Uh, I am going to nominate Wayun for drunk Shimoda here. He is, I mean this as a compliment, and I think he would take it as this. I think Jeffrey Combs is the Christoph Waltz of DS9 <laughs> because he is like the Hans Landa in Inglorious Bastards that that Wayun is here that that the interrogation that scene that is full of zeal yeah 
Yeah, and I think it's that scene where he's interrogating uh, Jake and Nog here that that really solidified that for me. Like this interrogation is gentle and comedic. Yeah, and he has all the power, and in fact, it is lethal power. But you sort of forget that because he's so charming. Yeah, uh, I think he's just great. He's great in every scene. I don't know how many episodes of DS9 we have left. Uh, I hope as we bring the series to a close, there are a lot more episodes with Wayun in them uh, because he's just fantastic. So yeah. he's my drunk Shimoto. What about you, Ben? Uh, I'm going to give mine to Jake. There is probably the most unfortunate part of the episode is a little interchange between Jake and Nog, when they're looking at Kai Wynn up on the second level of the promenade, talking to that Vedic, mm-hmm. and uh, Jake says something about bearding the lion in its den, and then Nog says, lions, geigers, and bears, and Jake says, oh my. Mm. <laughs> really wish that wasn't in the episode. <laughs> 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 so Jake gets my drunk Shimoda for that moment. <laughs> I mean, it really should go go to both, but if I had to pick, it's it's really more Jake's bad thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jake said a bad thing. Yeah. Well, is there a good thing coming up in the next episode, Ben? What is the episode, and how will we be watching it? The episode is. Season 5, episode 26 of Deep Space Nine, and episode 300 of The Greatest Generation. Wow. 300? It's called A Call to Arms. This is The Greatest Generation! (laughs) Deep Space Nine prepares to face a Dominion slash Cardassian attack. Wow, the Cold War turns hot, huh? Yeah, baby. Is this the season finale of season five? It is. All right. Big one. Crazy bang to end season five on episode 300 of our show. I have no idea how that worked out, but. I mean, you'd probably, I mean, I know you're not a gambling man, but if you were, uh, you'd have to bet everything that this is going to be a cliffhanger, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm pushing all my chips into the middle of the table. Got to push in like like your Ken Jennings or something. Yeah. Double it up. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, are we going to be watching this episode in a particular way? Only the game of buttholes, Will of the Prophets, can tell us. That's true, Adam. Do you want to uh, fire that thing up? You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Twinkly Shuttlecraft is currently pulsating on top of square 40, where off in the distance is a Coco No-No. It would take a roll of a six to get there. I'm going to roll. Go for it. Get away from me, man. I'm going to roll. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm going to roll. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. And I have rolled a three. A three lands us on a regular old episode at square 43 on the game of buttholes and uh that is how it will be for the season finale of season five and our 300th episode hey uh you know we uh would really appreciate you leaving a nice review in honor of the 300th episode the uh 
The iTunes reviews uh, could really use some some juice. If you'd like us to answer a question, leave uh, leave it in the form of a question. Um, yeah. But also, you know, like episode 300, this is a big deal. We've given a lot of pot out in the history of this show, and uh, if you can find it in your heart to uh, review or recommend the show to somebody, that would be really awesome. I haven't been looking at the odometer of this show, and I am I'm really surprised that it's 300. This is this is an older podcast now, Ben. Yeah, it's got some miles on her. We're uh, <laughs> we're running into the ground, really. <laughs> Yeah, it, it really smells like shit inside. <laughs> uh, You're not gonna get this smell out of the upholstery. One of the uh, one of the many mechanics keeping this thing operational is uh, <laughs> our buddy Adam Ragusia, who makes custom music for the program. He, of course, based all the music he makes on the work of Dark Materia, and he is now a YouTube sensation with uh, the Adam Ragusia Cooking Channel on YouTube. Occasionally, we'll pull this pod car up to uh, a stoplight. And a uh, and a bedraggled man will uh, will come to the vehicle with a squeegee and some newspapers. <laughs> that man, that very funny man, is Bill Tilly. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Bill Tilly, Bill Tilly 1973. He's using newspapers that are in fact uh, comedy baseball cards that he makes for every episode we make. You and I, and uh, I mean, I wish he would take a tip, but. Uh, yeah. He doesn't. He just he just squeegees our windshield and and lets us go on our way. We've uh, we've retooled this thing a few times uh, with parts that we've found on at various junkyards around the internet. Of course, there's the uh, Greatest Gen Facebook group. There's all the folks on Twitter that use the hashtag Greatest Gen. There is the Reddit sub and the Greatest Gen Wikia. There's all kinds of junk out there related to this show. You know sometimes how uh, you'll give someone a ride and they'll offer to give you gas money, you know, if, if you've driven them a long distance. I think we yeah. can say, you and I, Ben, that we've driven our pod passengers, our friends of DeSoto, quite a long distance. If you'd like to chip in some gas money, you can do that over at MaximumFun.org slash donate. Yeah. It's ass, gas, or grass. <laughs> or just donate at MaximumFun.org. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we will be back at you next time for episode 300 and a great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation, which finally shoots at something. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.